0: What a beautiful conversation I've just had with Becky Sharada, who's the founder of the charity Art House Unlimited, which supports artists with complex neurodiverse or physical support needs become exactly that, artists. What I've loved about this conversation is that it has really been another example of a sector such as the charity world, or it could just be your business, where we need to make sure that doing good, doing something beyond what we're meant to be doing in a utilitarian manner or uh, business manner, That we are doing good in the world and that us as founders can come from all sorts of backgrounds where we believe that actually we're not necessarily meant to be business folk, but we just happen to be able to create such a business with impact. Her letter to a younger self where she talks about her pain and her hurt being her greatest strengths. I know you're going to empathise where she has just held on to that word believing because even Even though everyone told her that she couldn't do this, that she was trying to help too many people, that she knew that if she just believed, she would do it. And she has. And she's here today telling her story. And it's one I think you're going to thoroughly enjoy.
1: Bow your head and let your eyelids close on down Where we're going, you won't need to bring your
0: frown I'm Holly Tucker and welcome to Conversations of Inspiration. Back in 2006, I founded Not on the High Street for my kitchen table and since then I've gone on to launch Holly & Co., I'm the UK Ambassador of Creative Small Businesses and I believe that having a business doing what you love is the key to a happy, fulfilled life. My dream is to help everybody start theirs. I'm here to offer advice, inspiration, wisdom and encouragement and, in my view, The best way to do this is by sharing stories. So I've reached out to my favorite small businesses, entrepreneurs, and those who simply inspire me and ask them to share theirs. With thanks to Dell Technologies, who've helped bring this free podcast to life. Here are my conversations of inspiration. Hi, Becky. Hello, Ollie. It's so nice to see you because I am a huge fan, as you know, and you were also one of the runners-up in the Independent Awards. And I have believed in your company for so long but never been able to actually put a face to the name, the amazing company that you've created. Welcome to Conversations of Inspiration. Thank you very much. It's really lovely to be here. Well, I'm going to get straight into the whole story because I'd love to know a little bit about your background as a person, your childhood and your journey to leading up to founding this incredible company, Art House Unlimited. So do you want me to start with my childhood? (laughs) I'd love to, the little Becky. (laughs) I've always dreamed big
1: and I've always wanted to help people and art was the skill I had as a child. It was the only thing I could do really because um, my reading skills were not brilliant but I loved, you know, I just loved art and so throughout my childhood and school years, I just did art. I mean, they changed the GCSE so I could do another art GCSE because I wouldn't do
0: anything else really. Oh my goodness, amazing. So did you have a school that recognised that that was your talent? Uh, They didn't really have that much choice
1: because I didn't do too much else other than art. I wasn't bad, I just didn't gain that much interest in other subjects like that and I always had a real passion for helping people and for charity and I knew how privileged we are my family are Arabic well my dad's from Iraq we're privileged in Britain we're privileged to be born in Britain so um it was always a a situation where I wanted to do whatever I did with my art I always wanted to see it as a bigger picture that I could
0: use Mm. it to do something with it you know in a way. And was that then so that led because you actually studied fine art, didn't you, at university after graduating? So that art bug stayed with you throughout all your schooling?
1: Yes. Yeah. I only ever wanted to paint and create. But, you know, even when I was at school, I remember doing stuff on the rainforest and I was really into the body shop and Anita Roddick. And I was really interested in how. You know, we all used to wear those um, T-shirts against animal testing and we were all, you know, we were of that generation where we all used to go into the shop and choose a present for our friends. But we were doing something good at the same time because we were all against. and And so she created a product that actually could change the world too or change, make something better So I was always interested in that. And then so when I I was doing my fine art, it was always about a bit of a bigger picture, how we can make changes with our art, what we can do, how we can get messages across. And, you know, making art accessible was a big subject that I focused on when I was at university. It can be elitist, and
0: I really just wanted it to be accessible. I can imagine, help, that you started working one day a week with adults who had learning disabilities at a day centre. And that was that sort of moment. Am I right in reading that when I was researching you for this podcast? It was sort of like your, hang on a minute, what they create is amazing. Oh,
1: my God, it was mind-blowing. It was mind-blowing just seeing the artwork that the artist that i met created was just out of this world and it was a no-brainer it was just a no-brainer i had a studio where i worked where i was creating my own artwork after my degree and i was really lucky i was really well received and a friend sarah bradley she used to work in the day center with adults with support needs high support needs, so they all lived for 24 hours in their in the home, in the residential home. They all have severe epilepsy and need high-level support. So she had been creating the artwork with the artists in a day centre where around 50 came to the day centre every day, day in, day out, five days a week, And they were working with the same people they lived with. The day centre was in the middle of nowhere. The residential home was in the middle of nowhere because people who required support, people were taken out of society. Yeah. So from the age of 19 onwards, they could live to 90, 100, and that is their life, day in, day out, living and working with the same people. And on the same tables and it was only Sarah who maybe had five people that she was working with and then most of the other things they're like sticking tissue on paper making pom-poms to be thrown away at the end of the day Mm. and um, when I saw the artwork that they were creating and I started working with them one day a week it was just out of this world because it's what we all strive to do, this pure, honest, mark-making, stylized, great, great imagery, but not recognized for the skill or not in society or not even feeling value. So much could be thrown away at the end of every day and that's their life. And that's just one example in Britain. (laughs) You know, there's millions of people living in Britain like that just because they require support. So that's where it led to. Where I set up Art House, and Sarah actually was working with me. But she wasn't. She wasn't interested in the business side of things. She was really. She loved creating the artwork, and we created it together. And that's how it
0: started. Really, it's just what a story. What a story. Because I speak a, a lot about it. About having mission and not just a passion, you obviously have a passion, but it's like a mission. It's something greater than the business. It's something that actually helps. I always say founders get out of bed on a really bad day um, because you have responsibility because it's 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 not just the people that work with you. It's like a greater good. It's a, a greater power that you're working on. Tell me more about that because that is obviously what powers your business. And there might be people listening right, who aren't yet on that journey. Mm. Because I always say to people, don't be disheartened if it's not in your business or in your dream yet. You can put it into the business, but tell me how that now works for you, the charity, how it powers you and what it actually does. I think if we look at ourselves and we understand what drives us,
1: you know, we're all much better when we feel purposeful. We're all much better when we feel valued and recognized for our skills and why wouldn't we offer that to people who require support people who've really suffered live with such conditions in and out of hospital operation after operation yeah they're not included they're not offered that Mm. and when you see somebody start to believe in themselves and actually They can offer something more than what we can even think of. People's insights, their way of looking, the way of seeing. You know, you want to share that with the world because it's so bloody incredible. It's so beautiful. Like every day we see something beautiful. Like no doubt every day we see something beautiful. Then the artists feel good sharing and other and they believe in themselves and that's how they get well you know not well within their conditions but that's how they feel good which of course enhances well-being so that's the passion for the individuals we work with but this the idea is bigger you know we want to Mm. we want to see that that happens for everyone who requires support if they want it you know
0: there must be a journey that you've traveled on from the young becky who potentially wasn't fitting in with everybody else to now creating opportunities for people who don't fit in you know that actually you're sort of you're designing a future that if you hadn't had your experience like many people creating businesses it wouldn't literally exist yeah I'm I'm
1: not sure it was about not fitting in for me because even though I didn't really fit in because I was pretty much in my own head on my own journey, not that aware of what was going on around me because I was so focused on my art and listening to music, you know, that pain and discomfort you might feel from other reasons... You don't want other people to feel that. And when I met the artist, I really did have a very, very strong sense of empathy. I was actually scared to go and work with the artist to start with. Um, You just, you know, I want to break that fear barrier down, even though I had it. I don't want people to feel that about each person because, you know, they're the most inspirational incredible people I've probably ever met. They're people that will inspire me forever. People that have been through something that you can't even imagine, people who live with, I mean, living with epilepsy, living with a seizure, knowing and wondering when your next seizure is going to come, walking into town and being so worried that you might have a seizure. It's, mm. And then you need support and then, you know, you might feel undignified and... You don't know what's happened to you. It's, mm. I can't imagine it because, it's you know, but it's awful when you see somebody have a seizure and you don't want them to have to go through that without having this support and this great side to life as well that we can help in some way. So however you can help or make somebody's life a little bit happier, then you're going to try because That is really hard to see people struggle in that way, you know, what they've been through.
0: What you do is a charity, it's a business. These people have inspired you. You've created opportunity. And you spoke just then about when they're actually in their element and they're creating art, but art that's um, not going to be thrown out at the end of the day, as you said, it's art that's meaningful. You said that it, it sort of comes from their soul, you know, and that it's about this openness and honesty and that it's this this purity, I think you said, that comes from it. Um, and actually someone actually DM'd me the other day saying that they were a teacher. And in, in their experience, it's like all children are fantastic artists Mm -hmm. until they realise that their work's going to be judged and compared and then suddenly the crisis of confidence comes along and suddenly this is why we see a nation of adults who don't believe that they're artists. Mm -hmm. Is that one of the things that you are putting in place is that you're giving people this identity beyond their disability you know is that one of your founding principles? Yeah uh, I I think People
1: can create in a way that isn't... It's beyond what we, you know, when we are so conditioned, what we are so anxious about, whereas actually the artists are probably using that space and that time as being celebrated for who they are for that skill, what they're doing at that time. They're not thinking... I don't think anyone's really thinking I'm going to be judged. I think they're just enjoying that process Mm. much more than we're probably putting all of these other things on to it. And when I first started working with nearly all of the artists at Art House Unlimited, I mean, I said it it 16 years ago now, I set this one up. I think I met about 40 people and I spoke to them all and none of them, none of them believed that they could draw or do anything and it it was they've been told to have no expectation of themselves by society really and maybe their families have been told to have no expectation and there's no nothing on offer that's it just exist yeah exist in a day center and they're all surprised about what each person can achieve because oh my god you know people so many different types of talent people had so many different things I mean you you have to work closely with people to support some people are more independent than, than others but you know I remember working with Julianne she's still with us today in art house she was in tears when she drew a bird and she we still talks about it today that when we first drew that bird and um Janine as well, when she was, I can't draw, I can't draw. Is, is there anything, what did you used to do? I used to draw my uh, mum and dad's catalogue, clothes in the catalogue. She's an incredible artist. She can draw amazingly, oh. you know, and she still today says, oh, is it OK? Is it? And it's just, you know, she's incredible. But no one really had a huge belief in themselves. And uh, that's what's nice to see is, you know, people really believing in themselves and realizing oh god I can do that and yeah it makes me feel good when I do that it makes me feel good when I see other people like my stuff and yeah that's that's great
0: we're working with our partners at Dell Technologies to empower small businesses across the UK with the tools and knowledge they need to thrive Every week, we bring you the Small Business Pharmacy Live to help you navigate your business journey, covering a huge range of topics. Here I am talking to Emma Jacalone about the power of you as the USP of your brand. You are designing this life Uh that you want to design. You know, your business is like a fingerprint. Uh It has to be completely unique, almost by its very nature. You know, Mm -hmm. the second that we see businesses literally being the same, not only on the product level, because of course we disagree with that, but even from the way it's made up, you know, it's always like, you know, you are what you eat. And we always say that, don't we? I always believe the way that we set up our businesses almost shines through Mm -hmm. everything. You know, the fact it is a family business, the fact it is in your home, the fact there Mm -hmm. is, it's in the air of your house, Mm -hmm. slightly comes through in your brand. Mm -hmm. And I think this is amazing. For the latest lessons, advice, and insights, join me every Wednesday at midday live on my Instagram. You can also visit holly.co slash hub for my business advice hub, a free online resource thanks to Dell Technologies filled with content from myself and some of our small business community, sharing lessons from our journeys to help you navigate yours. And with a continued commitment to empower you, every week, Dell are giving away one tech in a box. For a chance to win a brand new XPS laptop and a whole host of other goodies, head to holly.co slash get involved with thanks to Dell Technologies. Now, let's get back to our conversation of inspiration. You took what was helping people express their creative sides giving them that purpose giving them that self-confidence and then there must have been this moment because I discovered you when someone gave me a bar of chocolate and I looked at the cover of this chocolate and I uh, it's honestly one of the most beautiful things I'd ever seen, and it just spoke to me completely. Everything about it—from the neon pit, like the whole thing—it was just everything I loved. Oh, good. And the packaging and you know, packpetizing. It was just it just nailed it for me. Did you do that right from the start? Go, I'm going to convert this into product. You know, these designs, or was that something that came afterwards? Or were there prototypes that didn't work so well? Because if you nailed that right from the beginning, that is pretty phenomenal. Uh, I wish I'd nailed it right from the beginning, but no. (laughs) Okay, thank God.
1: (laughs) It was a learning curve because we started with everyone creating individual artworks back in Hertfordshire. And it was, you know, we can't pretend that the artists create Most things independently. Everyone requires support. Quite often, we'll support people in mixing colour palettes because otherwise, you might see a lot of different colour palettes that might not be so so we need to help and we need to when we promise the artist your work is going to sell we need to support the artist in how to help them because we do not want to disappoint somebody when you're saying your work's going to sell and then you're basically lying but we started by creating individual artworks and what happened with that is people could buy individual artworks but it wasn't that accessible to everybody. Yeah. You know, we really needed to sustain the charity without pressure on the artists as well. And by creating individual works, what also happened was one person would become more popular than somebody else. And you really can't do that. Because that's, you're not making everyone feel valued. In fact, you're creating a worse um, environment and you're making people feel worse. Those aren't getting, and then one person's going, yeah, I'm the one saying, and you're like, no, that's really not good. So, which is why we came up with the group work concept. So the majority of the work we create is with group works. Then everyone that we support, we have over a hundred placements, everyone that we support all feel valued. So when they sell everything, everyone recognises that they can be involved. So people with higher support needs can be involved in creating abstract work on backgrounds or be involved in creating abstract work together. Or people who like to draw more detail can be involved in that way. People with humour and like to do cards. So it's a complete collaborative. No one's more important than another person. They are a team, you know. Everyone's a collaboration. That's why we had to do product because the product is to sustain the charity, to fund the charity, as well as the artist feeling purpose and value, and as well as getting the message out there. But we don't want pressure or anything on the artists. Mm-hmm. So their session is creation and fun, collaboration. Our job is the creating selling product, but all you all with their work but but then everyone still gets their name they feel it they see it they recognize their work so that's um that's why
0: now you know just recently at top drawer and I walked past your amazing stand and you know saw all these all the chocolate and the candles and I hadn't realized actually even as a big fan of yours how many products you actually do now have it's a really proper range how did this all come to light because I almost think it's endless for you because it's you've got such an eye is that something that you do
1: I I do have to do the creative direction and drive the product and design that side I mean we had an incredible team of designers our team of designers are two people who are also instructors and the design managers. So it's not, you know... So <laughs> A multi-hyphenated yeah, job. It yeah. really works, actually, because it really works within the team that, you know, people cross over so they're all involved in. Yes, And obviously, because the designers work with the artists that we can work together, the designers understand what that person has brought. So keeping the integrity of that artist's work into the product is... Crucial, we can't change the integrity of the artist's work, so we have to be it has to be in house it has to stay true uh, you have to kind of I have to think kind of two years ahead of the market in a way we're trying to create timeless treasures because I'm trying to lay the foundation of the future of the charity because we decided that the charity is going to sustain on sales. Rather, and that's the funding, rather than relying on funding that can be cut at any time, that by creating this solid foundation of timeless treasure that we could create a product that the artist's artwork could be dropped into and you can only come to Art House for that chocolate bar or that scent of that candle or because then, you know, I can go and do what I need to do, but I've set that up so that I can go and do the next bit or something, you know.
0: Tell me about that and it's not my world, the charity world. And correct me if I am wrong. That One of the things that I found when dipping my toe into charity and also just generally being a patron of different, you know, looking at it, it's still very heavily relying upon donations, the 5K run, people going out and doing things. And it feels like that there is a real, I don't know, a shift that is potentially required within charities. Am I right in saying that? I'm not trying to say anything negative there. I'm just trying to almost say, I I really think what you've done to create a sustainable foundation that you can control, that relies on you and your energy and your team and getting out there, us buying into it, but a product that we want to have.
1: Yeah, that's exactly why. I wanted to do it in that way. Well, there's threefold, really, to why we set the charity up in this way. Firstly, for the artists to really feel value and purpose, which will enhance their health and well-being and included and respected, we had to create something that is saleable and they have to experience something that's saleable. For instance, putting it on a chocolate bar... So I I, just to give you a bit of background on why the chocolate bars look like they did, I thought it was a bit of a no-brainer doing gold frames on everything because artwork has been framed in gold for so long. Yeah, you're so right. You know, hundreds of years, people have been putting paintings in gold frames. So, you know, just move it forward and it's a timeless piece, you know, and you just put in their artwork. That was a bit of a no-brainer and it really worked. And then... The artists can quite easily forget that they might have been involved in that piece of work, but if they just keep seeing that same chocolate bar sold over and and they're selling it in the shop themselves, they will recognise... Oh, that's my that's being sold, Someone's buying my work. That someone's buying, I've done. That I, you know, I'm involved in that. So that's the first reason it keeps giving re- reaffirming. You know, I I don't want to say the number of chocolate bars because I'm not quite sure, but it's it, you know I think it's over a hundred thousand wow. chocolate bars that they sold last year, and I think this year because we just launched it, it's a it's a lot more. So the artists yeah, are experiencing it. The artists are experiencing it, and that's just chocolate bars. And then obviously, it's a gift that the customer is invested in. They're invested in the charity. It's not just the product that they're invested in. They're invested in the charity. And then they give it to somebody else and the word gets out and it might inspire other people to story. do Yeah, so that's also a bit of a no-brainer, really. It's easy, but it is our funding. I couldn't risk keep relying on funding because when I first started art house it's like it was always there's no money there's no money there's no it's just well let's make it let's do it well we Mm. can do that well let's do it this Mm. way that's easy let's do that you know there's always a way that you can make it work and the charity is now sustainable on sales. and uh, But we just want to create an opportunity to grow it and offer more opportunity and offer more accessibility to the artists. And-
0: Isn't it funny? We can all say it's a no-brainer. And I, get, I know exactly what you mean because you created the solution to your problem. Um, something that was out of your control now is in your control. And I think that's something that we can all do as people building businesses. But it's interesting that when looking at... Um, social enterprise, 47% of social enterprise grew their turnover in the last 12 months compared to 34% of UK businesses. So basically, creating social change and looking at this social enterprise and what's happening, it's generating more jobs, And has had less staff on furlough than other businesses. It's like society is not only catching up, but I also think it fundamentally just ticks some classic marketing boxes, which is your product has a story with depth to it. It's then allowing the consumer not only to invest in it, I'm now supporting the charity, but then I go and tell the story to other people that I'm giving because there is a sense of wanting to communicate that and also let them in to say, oh, guess what? This isn't just a chocolate bar. Read it. You know, that you, you need to look at it more. And that is just incredibly powerful. Brand is just storytelling. That is what we're doing. And you've got all of these stories to tell. So you've got this tapestry of gold coins in your bottom drawer that you're sort of letting out But it's a new way of looking at charity. It's it's potentially what other charities might need to do or to try. But it's very hard when I've spoken to charities to unpick potentially the systems, the way it's been done. Do you think that there is a new need for a wave of looking at social enterprise, looking at charity? Um, You have to be quite
1: tenacious and push those boundaries really because there are our systems and to be honest I only work in our charity so I don't really know how many other charities do work but I've never really understood why a charity would sell a Christmas card of somebody else's that they bought in to sell somebody else's when they're actually supporting people not necessarily people with neurodiverse support needs. It, it could be working for older people. Anyone that requires support, any care set up, you know, people can be involved in it in some way or another. And that that will help if they're well enough. They can, you know, that will help them themselves, hopefully. Yes. You know, I really think there's so much you can do with homeless charities and there's so much that people can be involved in. Of course, The Big Issue do a great job, but to get your product right. There's a lot of learning. There is a lot of learning. And we're lucky, you know.
0: You're lucky, but I know that, you know, your first chocolate bar compared to this chocolate bar that I'm seeing at Top is going to have had its definite, you know, stages of getting to its gloriousness now. And that's like for everybody that has a business. I remember speaking with Kirsty and Alistair of the Hoxton Monster Supplies. And, you know, their mission is to help children and young people write and to feel empowered to storytell. And it's incredibly inspiring to see people who are trying to mix their businesses with doing good. So not just on a charity level. What advice would you share to those listening about the change that they could make within their own businesses to sort of drive change that they believe in? It really depends what is your passion and what you want
1: to see change in the world. What, what really, really affects you. Mm-hmm. And if that charity has a real core value, which it will do, how that they can convey that with possibly making it into a product and selling it. So, you know, how can you support conservation with a product that people really want and then fund and support and, you know, help in that way? It's really thinking what is a saleable product if you want
0: to do it in a product or in a service. It's like having that imagination. I was speaking to Bay Garnett recently, who's just helped Oxfam get into Selfridges and has done this whole, you know, she wanted to see Oxfam next to Gucci and Moo Moo in Selfridges and has looked at the rails and has curated this collection of all secondhand clothing and has put it in Selfridges. Now, That is turning it on its head. That's giving a new um, face to Oxfam. It's giving a new outlet, a new way of talking about it. And I think that that's what we're doing here, potentially, is your story, that story. It's inspiring that way of looking at what's maybe traditionally been done. As you said, turning it on its head, maybe getting the people or the products involved in the actual mission, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, rather than just helping Mm -hmm. actually involve them. Mm -hmm. You've got a shop and studio. Mm -hmm. How important has it been to be part of your local community? It's probably one of the most important things for the artists. Originally,
1: we were based in the residential home where the majority of the artists live, and we were taking the artist's artwork out and putting it in, in, in exhibition. And some of the artists could come and see if we, if we could get the odds out. And then we would come back and tell the other artists your work sold. And, you know, what kind of experience is that they're not meeting the community? They're not part of their community. It's no social inclusion. So it was an absolute priority for the artist to understand what the process is and the sense of inclusion and sense of community that they're important in their community that they're on the high street so setting up the studio behind the counter of the shop enables that the artists even if it's one artist that's a cashier at the time it's really important all the other artists can see when somebody buys something in the shop that somebody can turn around and say Stephen somebody's buying your card or Laura, you know. Yeah. It's happening there and then. And, and so the artists all understand and see their, all of the work is in the shop. They see it all. But the other really important part of it is that the community are coming in. They're learning about their charity. They're meeting the people that they're supporting and they understand what's happening. And then we have volunteers who are also part of the community and support on the till, an artist on the till. they have a buddy system. And that way, the volunteers are bringing the community into the artists too. So it's all about social inclusion and true value and acceptance and inclusion. And, you know, it's vital, really.
0: Did you always have this vision? Like when you just said that to me, it's a bit like when I used to talk about Not On High Street and people go, yeah, as if, yeah, of course you know, platform that you could buy from small businesses only, yeah? And you're like, oh, no, no, it didn't exist before. As in like, it's, you know, when the best ideas are the ones that people just think must happen is exactly what I'm feeling towards you. It's like, yeah. So I come in and I'm looking at the people who are creating. They're getting the the amazing goodwill feel to watching their art selling. Mm. It's creating energy in the local community, thus creating marketing, Mm -hmm. thus creating do you mean it's accessible, it makes everybody feel part of something? Was that always your vision?
1: I don't know whether it's my vision because I think that's what artists do and you know an artist if they had their studio they would open it up anyway I don't think that it is my <laughs> I can't
0: claim that one no but it's not the same like an artist having a studio where they have gallery work yeah and you can come and book and like this is a shop yeah yeah that you can come into but it's just not got a wall behind the counter it's, yeah it's actually got a An opening to the creativity. I don't want to claim it as my idea. I don't,
1: you know, I've always wanted it. I've always known that, that that's what we've had to have. It's really important. It's essential and that's what I want to see eventually on other high streets that we do bring... People were just taken out of society because they required support. And, you know, a long time ago, people with epilepsy were seen to have the devil inside them. So they were, you know, people didn't even talk about it. They weren't, you know, family members didn't even mention that they existed. So the residential homes are often based well out of the high street. Mm. So it's really important we bring people into the high street on different high streets as well so we offer more opportunity and somewhere with good footfall because then you know yeah. you might see transient customers where they take the story back and yeah you know it changes attitudes just that you know just meeting each individual person each, each person is just an amazing person yeah. an individual like anyone you know it's just getting to know people and losing that losing that barrier of somebody with
0: support needs yeah. i mean you know and that they might feel nervous about it you know yeah. and and actually that's okay you know, it's OK, but move on from that, yeah. you know, experience it, make friends, support. Yeah. And actually then that nervousness can leave and you can become an ambassador and a champion. Yeah. Yeah. And you were planning a refit last time that we spoke. Has any of that been possible yet?
1: Unfortunately, we went into lockdown. Yeah. Well, we were in lockdown and then we have moved forward with so many other things but what we really are looking to do is making it really accessible because that's our big, big um mission now is we're managing inclusion, we're getting the artist understanding that each person has a skill. They all believe in themselves. They've got a screen on the wall with Instagram and they're communicating with the people that are telling But accessibility is an issue. We had to choose a high street shop. And, you know, I was desperate to get people onto the high street for the reason I said before. Mm. But high street shops don't have wheelchair access. We have our offices upstairs we can't even bring half of the artists upstairs because you can't even yeah. put a chairlift in. We have to now be looking at how we're going to be bringing everybody together. We ha- Because the online has grown so much, we couldn't fit it in that little high street shop, so it's down the road, so not all the artists access that. So we're looking now to develop a premises where everyone can be involved and you see the whole journey they see the journey of the and they can wheel all the way around on one floor yeah if they want to as if you're a wheelchair user or you
0: know but it's the artist's space where operations happen within it but not yeah but it's their space some would say that potentially this wasn't a wholesale product because actually how could you build margin in, all these sorts of things. But actually, again, for me, the smartness is it's about accessibility to tell the story. So you've allowed it, you've created a product that has the ability to have the wholesale opportunity, which then thus allows you to be at places like Top Draw, and you must have so many amazing independent small businesses selling your products, bigger companies selling your products, but they're doing your marketing for you. They're telling the story all over the country. I mean, they are some of our best ambassadors. The
1: independent stockists are incredible, so passionate, you know, so supportive, met the artists, met the artists at the show... They're telling the story for the artist, which is incredible. Yeah. You know, all over the country, it's really, really an amazing thing. And I'm not sure that I kind of envisaged that when I went to do wholesale. I can't kind of claim that. You know, yeah, it's a gift that just keeps on giving. You know, it does. You know, there is no end to it.
0: Every week, Royal Mail helps small businesses deliver across the UK. With a staggering 74% of online shoppers more likely to use a retailer if they use them, Royal Mail helps small businesses thrive. As a central and crucial pillar within the small business community, Royal Mail continue to be dedicated to supporting our UK small business community. And therefore, I'm thrilled they are giving away their ad break space to a small business founder every week, providing them with the opportunity to showcase their business to tens of thousands of listeners right here on this very podcast if you'd like to take Royal Mail up on their generosity, then head over to @RoyalMailBusiness Royal Mail Business to find out more. So let's hand over to this week's Royal Mail Independent Ad Break winner. My name is Lisa Organ and I run a company called Lisa Sweet Treats. We're based in North Warwickshire and really proud to be a female-led business. The reason that I started my business was I left work to look after my own mental health. And this is something that I feel really strongly about in the business. We're really proud to offer a wide range of sweets, so we cater to all diets, be it vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free and dairy-free, as well as a range of letterbox sweets. We've also sent 6,000 parcels in the last year via Royal Mail, which is brightening up everybody's day across the UK. You'll be able to find us on all the socials, on Facebook, on LinkedIn, on TikTok and on Instagram. And so why not get in touch, UK, and you can help to sweeten somebody's day. And you can also shop for our Christmas gifts, which we're really excited to have launched. That's Lisa Organ at Lisa Sweet Treats. And if you'd like to take Royal Mail up on their generosity, then head over to at Royal Mail Business on Instagram, where you'll find a whole host of tips and advice on how to create a winning add. Good luck. Now let's get back to our conversation of inspiration. When you have built this, there must have been I mean I know from my own my own journey building not in high street, building Holly and Co. There isn't a day that my heart's not completely touched, almost to the point of tears, about the change. You know, the change one can be making and I can imagine you've had those experiences as well will you tell me about a couple of those moments um the
1: oh I'm gonna get emotional now the most it's
0: all right <laughs> this is the podcast to get emotional on if you don't I will uh, the
1: most emotional moments are always always when you see the artist really really happy You know, when you see somebody, meet somebody, and they sell and they get it and they know why. Sorry. Oh, my God, I wasn't expecting to cry. They know, you know, they're important. Mm. They're they're important. And, um, you know, uh, as an example, Peter Andrews, when I met him, he was 45, And this was 16 years ago, giving away his age. But I don't think he really minds as long as you remember remember his birthday. And I was told, you know, you won't get Pete doing anything. He won't stick to anything. You know, don't try. Just, and uh, anyway, of course, I tried. Because if somebody says that, I'm going to. And, um... He discovered, we discovered together, that he loved to draw naked ladies. And uh, when he realised he loved to draw naked ladies, well, he kept coming back every day to draw naked ladies. and he had such a beautiful unique way of drawing he needs a lot of support to help him draw but he created such beautiful work and then we entered in 2000 I think it was 2011 or 12 we ended his work into Pallant house gallery outside in and he won best in show and so he he had a a solo show Called Naked, and uh, he had to do loads of work for the following year to do a solo show naked. And he was there doing a private view, did a speech to he- all his family and friends. And his family, his dad was there, his mum was there and what was really amazing is they bought his work and uh some of his family said that he gets their his talent from them <laughs> which is really great uh and so he's very very proud and you know you know he gets emotional i get emotional we all get emotional and um you know when laura sells at the counter and she she's a cashier and she's so proud of what she's selling and doing and there's so many stories of, and that's where the tears come for all of us, you know. We're always, there's always those emotional moments where you're really proud that you've helped
0: somebody achieve and they're happy. <laughs> I'm positive there's Kleenex everywhere in your place because I can imagine that it just maybe hits you. You don't know when it's going to hit yeah. you, but there'll be a moment or a story or yeah. a milestone or a, a an accomplishment that potentially if you guys weren't there they would be in, you know, on that table, sticking tissue to paper and being forgotten. Yeah. And you made them visible and not for, far from forgotten. It leads into one of my final questions. You've spoken about your hope to have a space that's accessible. Um, always, Are you on your journey with that? I want to talk about your vision for the future. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to ask you, are you on your journey with this space or are you battling against landlords and high streets or is that something that you are winning at we're on the journey
1: (laughs) and we're trying to find a space that is accessible and it would be about leasing i mean ideally it'd be amazing to be able to purchase a building so you can offer security forever for the future but I don't think (laughs) the finances are there. I mean, we have incredible trustees. Colin Stokes, the chairman of the trustees, he's just incredible. So he is um, somebody that will take us forward with that, I'm sure. And then once we have got that space where people are experiencing everything, and you talk about the high street that I really do think that it will be a concept store and a hub where people can come and Mm. that's what's really important. People want experiences and, you know, you want the artist to meet people, you want the artist to create interaction with the community uh, because that's what not many people have who require 24-hour support. And then, you know, eventually we want to set up other art houses on other high streets, you know so that you know we want to set one up in Brighton but I don't know how long away that is um, so that we can offer more opportunity to more people because as that's when we really feel we're doing our job is you know we want to offer parents hope for the children that they're coming up in the future because you know we want them to think there is something for their son their daughter so yeah that's really important
0: you can envisage a high street couldn't you with Social enterprises where eyes are being opened, things are being normalized, barriers are being taken down, that we're interacting with people we wouldn't necessarily interact with both ways. Where are you looking for your space? Where is the ideal space for you? Because sometimes when people put it out on this podcast, we have this like little magic thing that goes on, which is people like sort of put out in the world what they want. And sometimes some of the dreams come true. So what area are you looking for? No, that's the universe working. I like that. It is. (laughs) Well done, Holly. Thanks for uh,
1: asking the universe and all your listeners. It's uh, in Godoming where we're based it's because all the artists are based around that space. So it needs to be accessible for the artists. So uh, yeah, that's where we're looking. If we're not looking just to
0: lease, we're looking to buy (laughs) and we're looking for Brighton (laughs) Universe. Okay, so if you could just put that on the list here, this is someone who needs our help. I've loved speaking to you. I am a huge advocate for Anyone who has not yet bought, please do head. Um, And we're going to do lots of stories when this comes out, so you'll be able to follow lots of links. But this is a truly remarkable, remarkable company, Art House Unlimited. I end this podcast, um, as you might know, Becky, with a a sort of an analogy that running your own business and running a charity is like being on an epic roller coaster, one that we wouldn't wish we were not on, but sometimes our stomach you know, takes that dip and we feel as sick as a dog and then sometimes we're so high that life couldn't be better. Tell me about one of your lowest moments on this journey. It's always the same,
1: the lowest moments. Uh, so I know you were at top draw. Now, I don't tend to go to the shows because I'm not great at public facing. But the reason I'm not so good is because I'm so emotionally connected that if somebody says, oh, I have a family member, I have a sister, I have a brother, I have a son, I have a daughter who can't access anything in their community, there's nothing available to help them feel included or feel purposeful or valued, then I can't help them because we're not in that community. It's really hard. It's really hard when you can't help everyone that's what drives us all, actually. The whole team, you know, we all feel it. You know, we want to, you know, when parents really need some support and you want to support parents, you want to do what you can. So uh, that's that's the low when you really can't
0: help everyone. Yeah. It must be just gut-wrenching because you know what you're doing for some and you want to do it for everyone, but you literally can't. And
1: conversely, that high? Well, the high... It's a culmination of moments, you know, the artists experiencing the selling of their work and they're feeling really proud and they want to sell their work and they, you know, they're so having a, a moment where they're just overjoyed. Um, you know, we just took the artists to the Royal Academy because three of their artworks is, are at the um, summer show. And the Royal Academy are actually going to be having their products in the shop as well. Coincidentally, they, we, you know, the artists got interviewed and it was really, really incredible. And sometimes we have people who are nonverbal and you don't know what people are take you can never underestimate how much people are taking in or what the and you know Simon Hammond is nonverbal but when he saw his work on the wall that was a really emotional moment and uh Stephen wasn't happy his artwork was so high up but he was very proud that he was interviewed and uh and there was a time where years ago we uh entered Anne I think she was She was either 81 or 91 at the time. And whenever she used to create a piece of artwork, she would cry because she was so proud of what she'd created. And um, we uh, entered this beautiful charcoal drawing of a horse who was so gentle and delicate. And um, me and my friend, my colleague, uh, drove up to London with her one evening her wheel, you know, you couldn't transfer it from the seat, So you have to have the wheelchair, uh, you know, uh, strapped down and you're holding on to her. And we were just lost and we got there really late. And then when we got there, everyone was um, standing around her artwork. Well, not everyone, lots of people. She'd won the competition, and then Anne started crying, and me and Rach started crying, and then somebody came up to me and was like, "Oh, is that your nan?" I "No, I'm just a carer."
0: (laughs) But it's just it does it gets you, you know. (laughs) I'm feeling that for you. That is just. Wow, Becky, I mean, what an exciting journey you as a founder also that have in front of you. You give so much to everybody and you know these moments that you're sharing with us, I know everyone listening is got their their heart is breaking a little bit in, in joy as much as anything. You've done something remarkable. It's a lesson for all of us listening as well. How can we create power within our businesses? to move the dial in the right direction. How how can we do what Becky does in different ways? It's that time, Becky, that I'm going to hand over to you, if that's okay. Um, I, I'm already feeling highly emotional. <laughs> <laughs> (laughs) let alone hearing your letter to your younger self. But I'm going to, it's that part of the um, podcast where I do hand over to ask you to read a letter to your younger self. And I take off my glasses and I don't know what you're going to say, but I just wanted to thank you very much for sharing your story and your soul with us.
1: Well, thank you so much. It's just been really, really lovely. And I'm really emotional and wobbly already. So I don't know what I'm going to do when I read this letter. All right, I've just got to get in the zone. Hello. It's me. It's you. Sorry to interrupt your painting, drawing or chat. I know you hate reading. But if you wouldn't mind stopping and reading this, hopefully it will really help you. Firstly, here is a big hug. I know you want that. You are strong. You are really strong. That fight inside you, keep it up. Don't stop believing, no matter how many people might tell you that you are crazy. People will tell you that your dreams are too big and it's not going to happen, but you know you can see it. You've got the belief. Nobody can see what you can see on the journey of creating, so you just have to believe. And then, when you do, maybe you'll inspire others, and maybe you'll help other people say, Yeah, I can do that. And they create too. You love seeing other people happy, but you can't make everybody happy. You have to accept that. You are not responsible for everyone's happiness. In fact, you will drive people mad trying. Just do it for the people that want it. One day, I promise, you really will help make people happier. They will be amazing people who really, really had a tough time and who have never, ever felt believed in. You can help them. You can see a team of people around you who are happier for making other people happy too. That pain you feel, that hurt inside will be one of your biggest strengths. It will help you empathise It will help you understand what others need and how you can support them. It will take you on your journey of making that difference you want to make. Stay connected. You want to be free. To choose fun. Nothing is a barrier in your mind. Keep this. Others will put barriers up. But do all the excitable things that keep you on your imaginative journey. Keep looking around. Seeing and feeling what you believe is to be beautiful, this builds you. Keep seeing the beauty in the earth, sea, moon, stars, the smiles on people's faces, the inner beast, and you will be able to create beauty too. You will help others enjoy that beauty and you will help others feel proud of who they are. That's what you want. You want to see people happy. Stay true. Be you. P.S. Prince Charming is worth the wait. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh. Oh, just, you're like the most, I don't know, you're like a hug, I think. You're just like a hug. Just really, really beautiful and heartfelt. And thank you so, so much. I loved hearing, which I think a lot of us experience, that the pain and the hurt somehow drives us and somehow creates our future and creates us more than the happy moments more than all those things and i just think you just so eloquently put that and uh, thank you and you're going to have so many fans after this i can't tell you and we're asking the universe i think you said the moon the stars we're asking everybody <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if anyone knows of anyone that can help becky please do get in touch but for now thank you becky and thank you for being on this podcast thank you very much Before you go, don't forget to head to holly.co to be in with a chance of winning a brand new Dell Technologies XPS laptop and a whole host of other goodies. And if you've enjoyed this episode, if it's helped you along your journey or inspired you, would you mind rating and reviewing? Your support means the world to me. It really does spread the word and will help inspire even more people to build a life they love. And if you want to hear all our latest news, you can sign up to my weekly newsletter, Holly's Desk Notes, over at holly.co.